Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Oh, 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 oh,
coming home The chosen people are gonna start coming home The chosen people are gonna start coming home Back to Kenya Milk and honey in the promised land It's one big family reunion In the family of man Coming home The chosen people are gonna start coming home The chosen people are gonna start coming home Back to Canaan Milk and honey in the promised land It's one big family reunion In the family of man
our day of peace to all our brothers that we greet. Shabbat Shalom, Likulam, come sing with me one heart, one soul. Liz Marshir, Leo, Mashabas. Liz Marshir, Leo, Mashabas. Liz Marshir, Leo, Mashabas. Liz Till I can sing these songs again So I take it with me every day Till Shabbos comes And I can say Come join with me, my friends Gluna Ryan and all I share This I'm 
other day I lost my way Oi, oi, fabelangit I didn't know Right, left, straight ahead or turn around Suddenly a voice spoke to me It was music to my ears It opened my eyes and calmed me down It was the sweetest word I'd heard The voice said to me J.M. in the A.M. Recalculate done by Avramel. It's Avram Freed. Leviathan at Draw Ye Cry. You heard the Maccabees with their Draw Ye Cry. Mordechai Shapiro's Nigun Simcha. Ms. Marshir done by Aryeh Kunstler. He had Coming Home before that off of the S Legacy. Yaakov Shweki with both Yishtabach and Perfect World off the brand new Musica album. Rock Lo Dot, that was Micha Gammerman. And of course, Regesh with Modani opening things up. 
and we say good morning. JM in the AM for a Friday, final Friday, before we get to our three weeks format, with a, which officially begins tomorrow night. Um, yeah, three weeks format officially begins tomorrow night. For those of you who are curious. Well, tonight is Shavas Rav Tammuz, so the fast is on the 18th of Tammuz, so, you know, we'll be in the midst of the three weeks right when we say Avdallah. How do you like that? Friday morning, Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM on this Erev Shabbos Parsha's Bala, candle lighting at 8.11 here in New York. 8.11, if you uh, be aware of the fact, a lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are, but officially in New York, 8.11, candle lighting time. On this uh, era of Shabbos Sunday, as we said, is a fast day. That's the fast of the uh, 17th of Tammuz being observed on the 18th of Tammuz. Wednesday is the 4th of July, but we're here all week long. A lot of people are off. We're here all week. First week of the three weeks format, so make sure to be tuned in here at uh, JM in the AM. 72 degrees outside, sunny, and a high of 93 in the New York area. Clear tonight, low 73 Tomorrow, sunny for Shabbos with a high 91. But here's the big story. On Sunday, the fast day, 98 degrees. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I am not even kidding. 98 on Sunday. Yerushalayim right now at 76 up in Guilford, New York. Our friends at Camp Misora are getting ready for a very special Shabbos with Lipa. Lipa is going to be up in camp. And they're enjoying 58 degrees up in Guilford, New York. Um... And again, enjoy, everybody enjoy Shabbos number one of the summer in Camp Masora. Leap is going to be there. It'll be very exciting. They'll probably do some Facebook Live, I would I would guess, before Shabbos with him. So pay attention to that. If you follow Camp Masora uh, on social media, pay attention for that. could be a really cool uh, era of Shabbos Friday up there in uh, Guilford, New York. We're at 72 here in New York. It's the final day of our fundraiser. Yes, 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 I know. It seems like we're always fundraising because uh, we give everybody all year round an opportunity to sponsor programming and sponsor different segments of ours on JM and the Nachum Siegel Network. That's a tradition that's going to continue. But our but our uh, spring fundraiser, uh, which we held the last month, is now unofficially coming to its close. Those of you out there who have not yet participated, here's your chance. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Again, fjbunity.org. And to join us in this uh, amazing and incredible fundraising effort, uh, if you haven't tossed in your few dollars or more, yeah, you can give more. You can give three sixty. You can give a thousand. You can give ten thousand if you wish. Uh, then do so now at fjbunity.org. And of course, we thank you, Malcolm Honline, an hour from now. Rabbi Yudin, of course, coming up in the eight o'clock hour. Stacy Siegel supposed to visit. Wouldn't be the final day of a fundraiser without her calling in or visiting. And today she'll be here live in the studio across from me. In our third hour this morning, so she will be here. It's all coming up, all part of a uh, JM and the AM special Friday morning edition. Keep it right here at the Nahum Siegel Network.
Nachipeu, nee, 
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. A very, very big uh, hello to uh, and uh, and a big good Shabbos to listener Malki and listener, listener Mayer, who are now in Machane Yehuda, apparently, according to the uh, information we have on the NSN app, and I would guess that that's accurate information. So Machane Yehuda, those listening to us, Shabbat Shalom to you, listener Malki and listener Mayer. Much appreciated. J.M. and the A.M. as we uh, wrap up hour number one. Remember, we are in the midst of the final day of our spring fundraiser. If you haven't yet given during this, uh, if you haven't yet given uh, during this uh, period of time over the last uh, six weeks or so, we ask that you do so today. Help us conclude our fundraiser in a great fashion. It's uh, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Thank you very, very much. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Balak with candle lighting at 8.11. Reminder, this coming Sunday is a fast day. Tonight, Shabbos Shabbat Tammuz, a Sunday, the 18th of Tammuz, is a fast day. Keep that in mind. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com. On the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. We've got Gali Tzal in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. And then two more hours. Here at JMNAM, including Malcolm Holine in the 7 o'clock hour. He'll be coming up with the uh, weekly update. We'll speak with him about the events of this week. And then in the uh, 8 o'clock hour, Rabbi Yudin on the Parsha that we call Parsha's Bullock. He'll join us as well. Plus, Stacey Siegel is expected to make her annual appearance live and in person in studio here at JMNAM. You won't want to miss it. Those of you who did not have a chance to tune in yesterday when the uh, the team of Srilly Besser, the author of the book about Rabbi Meir's Lottowitz and Gedalia's Lottowitz, were in our studio, I suggest you head to facebook.com slash Network to watch the conversation or just go to NachumSingle.com to our archive section and listen in. Galei Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. Boker Tov from JNM. גלי צהל השעה שתיים, כאן גוני כהן עם מה שקורה עכשיו. נשיא ארצות הברית טראמפ אמר לעוזריו שהוא מעוניין לפרוש מארגון הסחר העולמי. כך דיווח אתר אקסיוס, כתבתנו יערה גם מחורי. על פי הדיווח האמריקני, הנשיא טראמפ אמר לבכירים בבית הלבן שהוא מעוניין לפרוש מארגון הסחר העולמי המסונף לאום ואחראי על הסכמי סחר בין מדינות. לפי מקורות בכירים, טראמפ אמר, ארגון הסחר מעוצב על ידי שאר העולם כדי לפגוע בארצות הברית, כך דבריו לכאורה. למרות זאת, על מנת שוושינגטון תפרוש מהארגון, טראמפ זקוק לאישור של הקונגרס האמריקני. רוכבת אופניים חשמליים בשנות ה-30 לחייה נפצעה קשה מפגיעת רכב בקריית מוצקין. כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסר שצוות מגן דוד אדום העניק לה פצועה טיפול רפואי, אופנה אותה לבית החולים רמב"ם בחיפה עם חבלת ראש. 
מחקר חדש טוען הודו היא המדינה המסוכנת בעולם עבור נשים. המחקר שערכה קרן תומסון רויטרס התבסס על חוות דעת של יותר מ-500 מומחים מרחבי העולם שקבעו מי המדינה עם השיעורים הגבוהים ביותר של אלימות נגד נשים, נישואים בכפייה ועבדות מין. מיד אחרי הודו נמצאת אפגניסטן ואז סוריה, במקום העשירי, ארצות הברית. סוכנות המודיעין הפדרלית של גרמניה אישרה הבת של פושע המלחמה הנאצי היינריך הימלר ריגלה עבור גרמניה בשנות ה-60. כתבתנו מאיה רכלין. סוכנות הביון הודתה כי היינריך הבת שהייתה תומכת ידועה לשמצה של הימין הקיצוני והשתתפה במצעדים נאצים, שירתה כמזכירה במודיעין הגרמני משנת 61 עד שנת 63 בשם חלופי. היא מתה בחודש שעבר כשהיא בת 88. למרות ההסתה, אלפי אנשים משתתפים כעת במצעד הגאווה בראשון לציון, שמתקיים לראשונה בתולדותיו במימון העירייה. ראש העיר דוב צור אמר לגלי צה"ל, נכבד את כולם באשר הם. איזה כיף להיות פה בחגיגה של הקהילה הלהט"בית, שמחה, ריקודים, שירים. ראשון לציון היא עיר של סבלנות, של חופש, מכבדת את כולם באשר הם. מוקדם יותר השבוע נתלו בעיר שלטים המזהירים הורים מפני המצעד ומפני מחלות של הצועדים בו לשון הכרוזים. מזג האוויר ירידה בטמפרטורות שתהיינה נמוכות מהרגיל העונה מחר ללא שינוי, ולסיום דודי נגד גוליית. הטניסאי הישראלי דודי סלע יפגוש בסיבוב הראשון בטורניר ווימבלדון היוקרתי את המדורג ראשון בעולם, רפאל נדל הספרדי, כתבנו אופיר יונתן. הגרלה קשה מאוד לישראלי שיפגוש את השור ממיורקה כבר במשחק הראשון בטורניר הנחשב בעולם הטניס. המשחקים על מגרשי הדשא ייפתחו ביום שני, והאלוף הנוכחי פדרר, המדורג שני אחרי נדל, יפגוש את לאיוביץ'. בהצלחה, אלה החדשות בצוות אורן פדידה ונועם ברלכיס.
J.M. in the A.M., Omdos Hayu. That's, of course, the Solomon Brothers here at J.M. in the A.M. Rav Ravin done by uh, the great Rishlom Kalbach, and, of course, uh, Ari Goldwag's brand new Asia Chayel off of his Lonaf Seek album here at J.M. in the A.M. Welcome to a Friday era of Shabbat. I'm trying to find a story here. This doesn't make sense to me. Well, I'll tell you what I mean in a moment because I should be able to to track it down, and I'll tell you exactly what I mean. Um, 
Yeah. Um, Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Parsha's Bullock with candle lighting time at 8.11. 8.11. Oh, so I guess this is, I guess this is the news. In Israel, uh, or I should say in the, um, in the top of the hour newscast, uh, they mentioned the name Dudisela. Dudisela is, of course, Israel's top men's uh, uh, singles uh, tennis player. He is uh, 33 years old, and he has um, he's had quite an accomplished career, especially for a tennis player from Israel, <laughs> frankly. And I guess this was the story. The story is that this coming Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, the 3rd of July, he will play in what I think is the opening round of Wimbledon for him, uh, Rafael Nadal, who's the second best player in the world. So that's the story. The story is that um, on Tuesday, Dudisela, who has done well, he has done well in the past in, um, he's done well in the past in, uh, in first rounds of tennis tournaments, of major tennis tournaments, he's won a bunch of uh, of, uh, of matches um, in the first round, uh, and sometimes even further uh, of tennis matches. But this one's going to be tough. On Tuesday, he starts against Rafael Nadal, second best player in the world. Um, you, you'll recall Dudisela was the the person, the athlete, who uh, when the sun was going down on Erevium Kipper in China, I believe it was in China. He forfeited the rest of the match. He said he will not play Anyam Kipper if he's representing the state of Israel, which I thought was just unbelievable. Anyway, uh, Erev Shabbos. Sunday's a fast day. Keep that in mind. Our three weeks format begins tomorrow night. I'll go through Tishabov, of course, and um, then we have an amazing and incredible week at the end of July. Stay tuned all through the three weeks. A lot of a lot of great guests. A lot of stuff going on. Don't let the acapella music, which uh, is a million times better than it was at one time, don't let it scare you away. It should just uh, keep you engaged in what we're doing here. Stacy Siegel is going to join us in the 8 o'clock hour, as well Rabbi Yudin, of course. It's the final day of our fundraiser, spring 2018. We're asking everybody to be as generous as possible. Support us by going to fjbunity.org. That's where you can donate immediately. fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And we thank you very, very much for that. If you like this program, help us keep it going. FJBUnity.org. And um, and uh, Malcolm Honeline, of course, 20 minutes from now. Malcolm Honeline, 20 minutes from now, right here at JM in the AM. Shalom Aleichem, Malache, Hasharet, Malache, Elyon. Mimelech, Malche, Hamlachim, Hakadosh, Baruchu. Oh, Shalom, Shalom Aleichem, oh, Shalom, Shalom. Shalom, Malache, Hashalom, Malache, Elyon. Mi Melech Malche, Hamlachim, Hakadosh, Baruchu. Oh, Boachem, Boachem, Shalom. Oh, Boachem, Boachem.
J.M. and the A.M. with Shalshelis. Yehuda Green before that. You heard uh, Mashiach and uh, Am Mekadeshe plus the Chizuk Nigun off of uh, the Neshamala album. That's brand new from Yehuda Green. Shlemy Gertner and Shabbos off the Serenity album. Zmiros medley done by Yankee Lemmer from the collection entitled It Is Shabbos. And you heard Lenny Solomon in there. His Shalom Aleichem from a Shabbat. In Liverpool. Candle lighting at 8.11 in New York on this era of Shabbos. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Sunday's a fast day. Shavasar Batamos is tonight. We fast on Sunday, the 18th of Tammuz. Uh, the beginning of the three weeks, of course. And our three weeks format will be in full swing starting tomorrow night. Uh, make sure to be tuned in every single day. It's worthwhile. Trust me, a lot of great guests. Acapella selections and more. And as I mentioned a few times, an amazing and incredible last week in July that we're going to be featuring here at JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network with a lot of travel and a lot of cool shows. So make, make sure to be tuned in between now and Tisha B'Av and then certainly afterward as well. Today's the final day of our spring fundraiser. If you haven't given yet, please support us as generously as you can. Go to uh, fjbunity.org. FJB is the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, the not-for-profit arm of our amazing work, I have to say. And um, just go to the website, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and to join everybody else who's already pledged during the spring fundraiser and has already donated during the spring fundraiser over the last six weeks. And we thank you for your help. And whatever you could do today on this final day of the fiscal year and final day of our fundraiser would be extremely helpful. 72 degrees outside with sunshine and a high of 93. It's actually supposed to be 98 on the fast day. How do you like that? Yerushalayim is up at 76. Up in Guilford, New York, our friends at Camp Masora getting ready for Lipa's visit for the first Shabbos in camp. I'm sure they'll be sending out some videos of his Erev Shabbos activities up in Masora. Um, so a big greeting to them. Big hello to everybody up there. I want to thank our friends at OnlySimchas.com. Check out OnlySimchas.com on a daily basis. You'll want to do that on a daily basis to keep track of so many amazing news stories from around the world. And our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. Uh, you can print out thousands, and I mean that literally, of articles before Shabbos having to do with Israel and the Jewish world. Just go to jewishworldreview.com, and you'll see exactly what I mean. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Welcome to you. Wow, you're you're raring and ready to go. To I, think, I think that they really do need a cool show, given the weather forecast. You could say that again. My gosh. Uh, well, let's start here um, in the U.S. In in New York, a woman named Alexandra Ocasio-Carter, uh, I believe, 28-year-old socialist is how she's described by the press, defeated Joe Crowley, who literally could have been Speaker of the House, 
in Congress, and she's got some uh, disturbing views and some disturbing associations. I know you generally, we, we, we do not discuss quote-unquote local politics, but just curious about your reaction to her election in the primary. Well, we don't know whether this really has national implications as yet. The turnout was, I think, below 5%. Wow. Wow. And the, um, you know, whether the candidate, uh, Mr. Crowley, really campaigned or took it seriously enough. We've seen it in the past. We're good friends, uh, very good and, and important leaders in the positions like his uh, to be the speaker. Um, did not campaign, took, took too much for granted or um, didn't anticipate the outcome uh, correctly. Maybe their polling was off, and maybe just the expectation that everybody just thought he would win, that he was the third or fourth most powerful member of the House, and, as you said, a likely speaker right. to be defeated by a, an upstart, somebody whom nobody knows, uh, with very disturbing views. And it turns out that she didn't win, from what I've heard, the Hispanic vote. As she won amongst millennials who have a small corner of the of the uh, district, and they turned out in big numbers and voted for her. She does have very disturbing views on Israel. She talked about Israel as being um, as the events in Gaza. I think she said used the word a massacre. Right. And she said, earlier said other things. She's also has been identified with Linda Sassour and. Right. People like that. She's she's clearly articulate and and uh, appears to be bright. I heard some of her interviews, but um, yeah, it's disturbing. And and whether this reflects a trend that we're seeing, where the two major parties, it was not the standard established Republicans or Democrats who won so much as it was um, we're seeing increasing um, victories by upstarts, uh, the Sanders branch of the Democratic Party, I would say, and Trump of the Republican Party. But what's disturbing is to see the center being greatly diminished and the right and left being strengthened. And that's the pattern we saw in Europe. And now we're seeing it in the United States. And just so I I get it right, it's uh, Ocasio-Cortez. Cortez Cortez is the last name. Right. The 28-year-old. And... uh, and when you say millennials, it's simply a case, again, from a political science point of view, it's simply a case of people being fed up if someone's in office, especially someone in office for quite a while, and has a certain profile, it's just time to revolt and get rid of them. Well, I don't know if it's just if it's the years of service or the message, one who, who was more established. She ran against, on some of the immigration issues very strongly, kind of complaining why he didn't work to dismantle some of the agencies involved. Uh, and uh, that seems to have been uh, a prime issue. Uh, the question is now: What happens uh, when she goes to Congress? Does she uh, is she open to being to being educated and to, to learning about the issues and to um, to especially you know for an, in this this regard about Israel about some of the other things that uh, are important, or is she really an ideologically oriented uh, political personality who? has very set views and will continue and link up with some of the other radical or more radical, let's say, members of Congress, those who are getting elected and those who have been elected. Uh, by the way, and those of you listening outside of New York, when Malcolm says when she goes to Congress, he means it because a lot of people would say, what do you mean? She just won the primary and not the general election. But we know in New York, uh, 99% of the time you win the primary as a Democrat. 
uh, you will, of course, uh, be an automatic in the general election. And, and Crowley already endorsed her, so the, the thought that some had that you'd run, you could run as a Republican or run in the, uh, or, or somebody else be run running, uh, it is certainly there will be a Republican candidate. Right. I don't know if it's a good one or not. Yeah, he has himself to blame for that because in the debate he made a pledge that if she wins, he will uh, he will endorse her. So he has himself to blame for that. Um, the um, the anti BDS bill, right? Staying here in the U.S. for a second, you got to explain it to us. The, the Congress actually will will ho- hopefully pass a bill that means what with the title anti BDS. What will it What will it actually uh, accomplish? What will it What will it say? Well, first of all, it it will try to coordinate all the, uh, the state legislation, uh, and it will. Uh, you can't outlaw. Right, that's uh, what I figure. Point of view, but right. you can uh, say that universities, others, it can affect, become a, a tool for uh, implementation by local officials, by uh, education. And we one one of the things that we've been working on is trying to standardize the definition, even of anti-Semitism and BDS. So this would say that countries or companies that engage in BDS can't do government uh, contracts or other things. Those are usually that's usually the content of uh, such legislation. And it has a good chance of passing. I think so. So, but look, we have now bills in, I think, 30 plus states. And I think that's, um, you know, important statement. So it's very similar to those, meaning that, you know, there's government contracts and and different, right. So it'd be, it would be a different, it would be the same thing, but on a federal level, so to speak. Right. And it would, it would uh, um, coordinate the legislation. So cross state stuff and, and help clear up some of the confusion. What did you hear about the uh, President Trump meeting with King Abdullah II of Jordan? Well, King Abdullah is in a very difficult situation. He is, uh, his internal um, situation, as you know, we've discussed this for several weeks about the demonstrations, the ongoing demonstrations. That some of the Arab countries put up some money, not as much as they announced, the $28 billion, um, uh, but only about $15 million actually went to the government. Most of it went to guarantees at the World Bank and to the Central Bank of Jordan, all of which is important. But um, I think he came here on several grounds. One is to get increased assistance. Uh, two is that there were questions about military aid uh, to to Jordan. And it is in a very difficult situation having hosted and, and, and hosting um, a million and a half refugees, uh, people from Syria, they they have now closed the border. Uh, Syria's army is bombing along the Jordanian border right now, in the last uh, three days, actually. And the uh, so the, that situation is tense. And, you know, some of the Arab countries are angry at him because he didn't join in some of the activities in which they had invited him to be part of, like the war in Yemen. There are a lot of issues, but most of all, the stability of the regime is critical. It's critical to Israel. It's critical to the region. If if uh, Jordan falls, the government of Jordan falls, it would put Iran right on Israel's border because the only thing between them is Iraq and and um, and Jordan. And Iraq today is under heavy Iranian influence. So essentially, you'd be removing this buffer area. And Israel, as you know, is very heavily invested in the security of the, of Jordan in help trying to stabilize the king things that he can't acknowledge publicly and shouldn't. But the, the situation is of grave concern to everyone because, uh, he, you know, he the majority of the population is Palestinian, 65%. And he has 
always to do this balancing act with the Muslim Brotherhood being present, with other groups with infiltration, and even reports that the Iranians are, are moving in to destabilize the regime. So when we hear about Turkey moving into, quote-unquote, East Jerusalem or having additional influence or trying to have additional influence in that area, uh, that's a move against Jordan, correct? No. That is uh, um, unrelated to Jordan. The the goal of Erdogan, who was elected with 53% of the vote, both in the parliament and in his personal race. So no runoff? No runoff, unfortunately. And he... I mean, he was coronated, and you will see now, and the presidency has uh, much more power, even though in his case it doesn't matter because he will assume almost all the power. And you can be sure there will be payback for the political opponents, et cetera. As you know, he arrested more than 100,000 people after the coup, and he has continued to arrest people. Uh, the, The economy in Turkey is in deep trouble and so he will create diversions. He's engaging in outreach all over the world in terms of trying to spread an Islamic Muslim Brotherhood-based message. He is Muslim Brotherhood-oriented. Uh, that is his ideology. And he's building, as I've reported here, 17,000 mosques around the world with a radical message in Europe and South America, even the U.S. Um, the, the uh, But Erdogan is... Um, is interested in Jerusalem, as he told me, because it's part of the caliphate. It was part of the Ottoman Empire. He sees himself as rebuilding the Ottoman Empire. And Jerusalem was a critical part of that. And the sultans sat there, the uh, caliph uh, of Jerusalem, and he he told me once, he said, we ruled for 400 years. We kept the peace there. We da, 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 da. And kept referencing this uh, this historical context, and he has been pouring money, and so have so many others. But the interesting thing to me this week was that the Palestinians, Jordanians, and Saudis complained to Israel that it's not doing enough to stop Turkish infiltration in East Jerusalem, right. and that they are buying uh, properties, they're helping people, they're giving out money. Um, during Ramadan, they, they were uh, giving out um, financial subsidies to people. And so that their influence is growing, and this is something that they see as a threat, just as Israel should. So that's why I say that's why it appeared to be against Jordan, and Jordan generally, uh, you know, perceived as the one that controls the Muslim sites, or at least oversees the uh, the walks control of the Muslim sites. In, uh, they in- do. It, it, it has been designated, but also Saudi Arabia, and Morocco, all of our descendants of uh, Muhammad. Uh, they also claim. Uh, some special status in Jerusalem and concern. But uh, Jordan, which occupied Jerusalem, as you know, for 20 years and did not do anything to build it up, uh, they they do have the um, sort of authority over the waqf, and, uh, and that's important to Israel because they, they seek stability and uh, have, a, you know, generally a responsible role. But Turkey's goal is is not about what the others do. It's how he envisions himself and the future. Just as the Iranians are trying to rebuild a Persian empire, he's trying to build a, a, a Turkish empire, the Ottoman Empire. And this is a, an ideological goal beyond any specific target in in uh, in, in Jerusalem. Um, obviously, feels that, and he says it all the time about the Zionist state. And, so he funds he funds and arranges the uh, protests in Harabayat and things like that. He has given money for the Al-Aqsa under siege uh, rallies. 
Interesting. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Final day of our fundraiser. Please remember to give generously, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. So what's Israel's move? I mean, you know, Netanyahu has an interesting relationship with Erdogan, wouldn't you say? I mean, what would be their move in this case? In fact, Israel is basically telling the three of them Jordan, Saudi Arabia, and the PA, that this is not nearly as big a problem as they think it is. I don't know that Israel has said that. Have you seen something where Israel has said that Turkey's involvement is is not a a serious problem? Israeli officials are downplaying the problem. While they admitted to to Haaretz that Jordan complained of threatening Turkish activities as much as a year ago, the problem has since diminished. Yes, so the answer is that it has increased again, and I do think that all along Israel has not paid enough attention to it, and the um, and to the general infusion of funds coming from the outside to study the real estate. It's something we have urged them to do for years, and uh, I would have to say that I think that the, I mean they get better information, they know the facts. The question is, are they paying attention to it, and and are they really taking it seriously enough? I have uh, long complained about it. It's it's surprising to see that they uh, play downplay the concern about Turkey. Um, they haven't said anything about the the complaints about Saudi Arabia and the others who are investing money. That they, they, they talked about two hundred and fifty million dollar infusion into Jerusalem by these various parties. <laughs> so everyone's playing the same game, basically. Every- well, everybody's playing a game. I don't know if it's the same one. Well, it seems like Turkey and Saudi Arabia. It's a similar game, though. Well, parallel. They're not, they're not playing together. Right, not, they're not playing together. against each other right, in some right. respects. Correct. They're playing separate games with the same type of activity, the same type of rule. But I don't think Saudi Arabia wants to take it over. I think Saudi Arabia wants to have influence. They, they of course, have backed the Wahhabi movement, and that's also um, you know expansive movement, reaching out to various places in different countries. But it's certainly not as been, been as aggressive, and it, if anything, I think it's been diminished, whereas Turkey is increasingly aggressive in its outreach and and it's uh, seeking to play a role on in a larger and larger sphere they they build bases from Afghanistan Indonesia to the Sudan and and uh, Somalia and of course playing a big role in in Syria today fighting the Kurds and uh, bombing along their own borders uh, their borders with Syria it's the primary area of their involvement I seem to ask you this question like every 3 months is there still trade and tourism from Israel to Turkey Yes down, but trade continues, you know, which shows that the people want to continue the, these right. contacts. Um, but yes, the, the, um, tourism, especially Israeli tourism to Turkey, which is the primary tourism, not that many Turks visit Israel, um, they do come for business, they do come periodically, but uh, the number of Israelis who visited Turkey was huge, and it has, been, it has diminished and continues to diminish. Uh, regularly. What do you think of a visit of Prince William and specifically the fact that there was no meeting between him and the mayor of Jerusalem? Well, the visit itself was, I think, very successful. Got a lot of visibility. He donned the yarmulke and went to the hotel. He did many things, which I know uh, must have given a lot of people agita at 10 Downing Street. <laughs> and, and, you know, they they didn't like it when I got Prince Charles to his father to go to visit his mother's grave, grandmother's grave, which uh, Prince William did as well, his great-grandmother's grave, who was designated a uh, righteous Gentile 
because of her role in saving Jews during World War II, a Jewish family in her apartment in her place in in Athens, and she asked to be buried on the the Harazetim on the Mount of Olives, and he went to to visit uh, that grave as did his father, and then of course it was a round of criticism, but the you know the, he he refers to it as occupied territory, et cetera. And with, in regard to the mayor. He didn't want to meet with him in Jerusalem because he felt that was a recognition, and I think Mayor Barkat rightly said then he wouldn't meet. Right. It was a principled stand. The meetings of the prime minister and the president were in Jerusalem, right? Yes. But because he's the mayor of Jerusalem, that, right. that, that was the subtlety they didn't That's like. That's the subtlety of the recognition of uh, Jerusalem. And- Do you have any idea if the story's true that I saw that there were rocks thrown at his car? I do not know whether that is true. And also, do we know anything about his meeting with the PA? Like, who, do you, who did he even meet with at this point? I assume Mahmoud Abbas is not available, or am I wrong about that? Uh, Abbas is available. Oh, he was He's meeting with other people, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't remember who, who they said that he met with. I don't know why I thought he was still in the hospital, Abbas, or, or incapacitated, or not, not available for public No, he's stuff. still making statements, and uh, he's not doing much, but he's, he's certainly available. So the United States wants oil imports from Iran to end, right? What What's happening now? I mean, ha- haven't most of these around the world ended? Are there certain countries that are reluctant to do so? So, um, but, but I do remember, by the way, just you just uh, triggered something that yeah. uh, uh, Rivlin, President Rivlin, when he met with Prince William, asked him to take a message to message Abad, of peace, right. a message of peace. Right. So the likelihood is he probably didn't meet with him. Right. Um, uh, so, and your question was about the um, oil, oil imports from Iran. The U.S. Yeah. is making this demand they stop. I, I, I was under the impression that they're almost nearly all stopped. Or is that totally wrong? No, this is what the, the new law. Uh, a, you're right. It is. Uh, it is stopped. So the OFAC is uh, the Treasury Department has issued um, uh, new regulations that just just came out. Uh, the Office of Foreign Assets uh, Control. That's what OFAC stands for. Uh, and they revoked certain Iran-related licenses, which provided for limited sanctions relief under the JCPOA, and they amended it now to remove those things. So they're giving a deadline and for different industries that, that have to stop doing business with um, with Iran. And that includes now by, I think, oil oil con- all oil contracts have to be stopped by November 4th of right. this year. And uh, some of the previously authorized transactions are now not authorized. And this includes foreign companies. And the, um, uh, they also amended the, to, to narrow the general licenses about um, carpets and other Iran-originated uh, foodstuffs. And that these also have to wind down. So it is another step. We've seen more companies, banks, foreign banks, pulling out of uh, doing business Iran. The rial, the Iranian currency, which we periodically discussed. I remember we talked about it at the end of last year, and it was like forty-five thousand right. the past year. And now it went in one day from seventy-five thousand to U.S. dollar to eighty-seven thousand to the U.S. dollar, and in fact, it's over ninety thousand. And to the dollar right now, the uh, and the drought is worsening. The demonstrations inside the country are growing, and the people are are yelling, "Death to Palestine!" 
mocking the administrate the government because they say death to Israel, and um, marchers in the bazaar yelling death to, to the supreme leader. We will not die for Iran. We will not die for Hamas or Hezbollah. We will die for Iran. The um, the this is a serious demonstration. They crack down on it, and the, um, the they are finding that the people are under tremendous pressure now economically, given the drought, which is covering half the country, the increased sanctions, the new sanctions that are going to kick in, and the um, a general decline in the economy and the feeling the government, is, as they said in these demonstrations, are paying, are spending the money defending Syria and defending the Gaza and not taking care of their own people. Yeah. So I, I, I think these things are serious. I think we should do more to support them. We see that Iran continues its aggressive stands outside, like in Syria, where it's building up the local militia near Israel's border, but keeping them local, uh, whereas the, the Syrian army is expanding and supposedly took over uh, a, an abandoned U.N. post on the Golan, which is a serious issue, uh, if it's confirmed. And the uh, you know they are moving in this whole area, as I said, bombing the Syrian army, bombing near the Jordanian border, various uh, whole, uh, places where the rebels continue to hold forth. And Israel is very concerned, obviously, about any encroachment by the Syrian forces, certainly by the Iranian-backed forces, uh, on its own borders, and they have to keep the Golan as a buffer from the instability, the threats, the terrorists in in Syria. So these are very important, you know, stories that appear to be marginal uh, are not at all. Israel hit another arms depot near the Syrian um, um, air base uh, close to Damascus, and there's reports that there's an understanding with Russia that Israel not hit Syrian targets, Assyrian army targets and Russian army targets, but would have freedom then to go after these other um, uh, the terrorist groups, Iranian elements, etc., and especially the importation of arms destined for Hezbollah or for Iranian militias. Because the Russians don't want them there, and I've talked about this for years, saying that it's, it's ultimately not in their interest, and Iran and Russia, while temporarily partners, would ultimately end up being rivals. On the economic front in Iran, I mean, they're desperate for a change of leadership. The problem is that if there was a change in leadership, the new leadership wouldn't do much differently than uh, wouldn't do things much differently than the current leadership. Well, it depends on who the leadership would be. You're right. There's nobody coming in on a white horse and a flash of lightning, and it's going to change Iran. But to me, the real regime change that is talked about will, will take place from the people, and that's why we have to do more to support them. Look, the Iranians, you know, provoke all the time the regime and and do so little to pay attention to the needs of the people. They opened up a place near Isfahan for uh, enrichment of uranium, and supposedly this barrel of yellow cake was sent there already to, um, they're saying, well, we're below our level and we need to, we're allowed to enrich to a certain level, but it really a message to say, well, if you don't, you know, go along if you don't stay with the JCPOA. We have our options to be able to um, um, immediately resume our enrichment. We don't know how much of it is really going on anyway. But the the fact is that Iran's internal record, somebody I saw wrote a piece in, a very important thought piece on this, 
and, and it says how many tens of thousands of people the government has executed and six million people into exile and taken away the basic freedoms and, and, and it's killed Americans, a lot of Americans in the, in the course of it. And how, how many people here operated on their behalf, or were fooled, were propagandized, were enlisted uh, to aid Iran to make its case here in the United States? And JCPOA, I think, was one of the results of that um, influence. So the, the, uh, now the administration's uh, cracking down on the imports and on the sanctions, increasing the sanctions. You see that the Europeans are increasingly going along with it because they have no choice. And right. all their threats that they would subsidize the governments, that they would stand up for anybody who, gets, um, who is impacted by the sanctions, if, you know, their com- companies from their countries, it's all coming to naught. Yeah, They're not putting up a nickel. They folded a lot quicker than I thought they would. Um, right. Could uh, move for a second to this deal that that uh, Victor Lieberman is uh, is negotiating. Who wants to build this seaport in Cyprus, and why is it being linked to the return of bodies of Israeli soldiers? So, uh, Victor Lieberman, who's the defense minister, uh, is proposing that because they don't want to build a port in Gaza because there would be no control, he is suggesting that uh, in Limassol, in Cyprus, they would build a port, which would be a clearing place where all the goods coming into Gaza would be shipped via this port. There would be, I guess, security checks there. And then it's a short boat ride. It's a 45-minute flight from Cyprus to, to, to Israel or a short boat ride that cleared goods could be taken to Israel. And it's meant to alleviate the plight, you know, the constrictions and restrictions uh, that uh, the international community complains about. It's really a... Hello? Malcolm, you there? Hello? Oh, boy. Seems to have lost uh, the connection, the phone connection here. All right. Well, we'll try to reconnect. Trying to reconnect here at JM and the AM. Weekly update. Yeah, Malcolm, not sure what happened there, but you're back know. on. It's something they didn't like we said. Yeah. But the, uh, Usually we blame Bezek, but you're not in Israel. Right. So so anyway, it's not a negotiated deal because it's really one-sided Israeli proposal so far. And the Palestinians have not given their okay, even though it seems that the government in Cyprus, which is very friendly to Israel... Did agree. Is Hamas on the other side of the negotiating table or the PA when you say Palestinians? Well, in this case, if it's to be the Gaza, it would have to be both, but Israel doesn't negotiate with Hamas. So this is and likely. Of course, that they're using this as leverage to say we're not going to allow any improvement until the bodies of the MIAs are returned. So this is likely not going to happen, right? Like you wouldn't bet that this is actually going to go. Uh, I would say it's less than 50% right now. Yeah, that I get. Uh, what do you think of this birthright thing, where uh, where certain groups infiltrated uh, birthright groups to try and educate them regarding uh, Israeli occupation, treatment of Palestinians, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Well, this is a part of an increasingly aggressive campaign, as we've seen on the campuses and elsewhere, by groups that call themselves, if not now, or uh, Jews for Justice in Palestine, whatever the groups right. who are extremely anti-Israel, hostile, and uh, who went to the airport to talk to kids going on birthright. Remember, many of those who go on birthright have no education. They don't know what to answer, become vulnerable. And we've had infiltration of birthright 
in, in isolated cases, they do more to screen it. And, you know, overwhelmingly, it has had a very positive impact. But uh, there's infiltration. And then you had some people who broke away from a group this week to go to the West Bank. And, you know, the, there's no foolproof way of uh, preventing it. So they're trying now at the airport to give out literature and stuff to influence and um, try to counter the impact of the of the trip by uh, their propaganda. And it, But what it does is raise doubt. So the young people then say, well, why aren't we seeing this one? Why aren't we seeing that? Or, and the truth is that they give them, they try to give them a balanced view, but it is a birthright trip not to uh, see the PA, but to see Israel. Yep. And there's hardly enough time for them to do that. Uh, two more quick things. Um, Bougie Herzog, who's now the head of the Jewish agency, he calls the intermarriage situation a magefa, a plague. I don't know. To me, to me, it didn't seem either inaccurate or inappropriate. Yet he had to really step it back to a point where it looked ridiculous. Any thoughts? Yes, I do believe that's his view, and uh, you know that he is the uh, son of the former president, grandson of the former chief rabbi of a, uh, of a chief rabbi of Israel and of Britain. Uh, comes from a very distinguished uh, lineage. He is. Uh, and he's very traditional in his own views, and I think that there, you know, the pressure that came down on him, which which seems to, is part of the general trend today to to dismiss the significance of intermarriage and its impact on the demography of the Jewish people. And he was simply saying, "Look, this is a, a really critical issue, and we should be addressing it." In Israel, uh, you know, I talked to them about. Some of the issues you saw that uh, Bennett came out with the idea of uh, Jewish singles right. uh, conferences in Israel, right. trying to great help. idea, great idea. Thank you. And no, um, the uh, uh, you know, and then the reaction is negative. Why would they, why would they react negatively? What are we saying that assimilation and intermarriage is a good thing? Which we heard somebody, an author, addressing the right. reform uh, right. graduation convocation of right. graduation. Um, extols intermarriage to to applause, you know. It, 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 in a way, I understand people who have this have to come to terms with it, and rather than looking at the shortcomings, you know, say, "Well, we have to deal with it," and we do have to acknowledge it. Right. You know, it, it is uh, so widespread. And uh, Bougie Herzog coming so early in his, you know, just after his nomination, right? <laughs> it was a very sensitive uh, time and issue. He is uh, he's certainly somebody who's not insensitive to the diaspora. He spent a lot of time here. Uh, he's, uh, we've been friends for many years. I, I respect him, and I think he'll do a good job. And all these things, this will blow over. Agreed. And your presentation just now about his opinion on this issue. Very well said, and I have to keep that in mind when I address certain crowds. Uh, also, and, and finally, because I'm terrible time pressure this morning, finally, um, we have to continue to point out the cooperation between the U.S. and Israel. Tunnels, hacking, tanks, right? This new tank deal that has a lot of Israeli technology. Right. The cooperation on all these areas. No coincidence that all these stories are out in the same week, and it's amazing we have to th we have to really be thankful. The Fourth of July, you know, is this Wednesday. No greater friend for Israel in its history than the United States of America, and I, I think sometimes we take that for granted as well. 
Right, and when and 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 it isn't that this that it was done because of this particular week. It's because this is true almost every week right. of the number of areas of cooperation that go on between Israel and the United States is mind-boggling. You know, I, I used to report on some of those things, but the truth is that they're that they're just collaborating on everything, on right. as you said, on tunnel detection systems and on joint funding of of other uh, research and not just in military areas, by the way, in technical, medical, right. other areas as well. And, and it's uh, really a remarkable, untold story. It's not something you will ever see in the New York Times. By the way, Indonesia lifted the ban on Israeli tourists, too. Nice. It's something that you're not likely to see in the, in the, in the press. In the general. Headline when right. a major Muslim country opens its uh, borders to Israeli tourists. That's great to know. Maybe time for a Jewish unity initiative there. Malcolm, thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak next week. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update. Yes, he'll be here next week, please God. And we will uh, continue with the weekly update. I think the only, I told Malcolm earlier, I think the only Friday in July that there's no weekly update is the day we fly back from Israel, which will be Erev Shabbos Nachamu. Aside from Erev Shabbos Nachamu, we should be here every Friday in July. Don't forget, today's the final day of our spring fundraiser, fjbunity.org. If you haven't given yet, fjbunity.org. This time each every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Bolok. Parshas Bolok contains 104 psukim. It does not contain any of the Tariag mitzvos. We'll come back and ask ourselves in a few moments, so why is all this included in the Torah? So I'd like to begin, unfortunately by reminding everybody that this Sunday is Shavasa Batamas. Now, wait a second. You correct me and you're right. Tomorrow, Shabbos, is Shavasa Batamas, the 17th day of Tammuz. On the 17th day of Tammuz, we are taught that, unfortunately, the Romans broke through the walls of Yerushalayim, and started their march to the Beis Hamikdash, already killing and conquering the city. And therefore, annually, we commemorate this day as a day of fasting. And we've, it begins the three weeks, which culminate three weeks later on the 9th of Av. We do not fast the Shabbos, so we fast instead on Sunday. But the three weeks have already begun. So even though we don't fast Saturday night, this Saturday night already is in the three weeks. So if you didn't take your haircut before Shabbos, and you say, oh, my barber will do me a favor and come to my house Saturday night, the answer is no. The three weeks have already begun with Shabbos. Now, before we talk about the laws of the three weeks, let's just remember and please bring to the table 
from Treyasar, the Sefer Treyasar, bring the Navi Zachariah. Open up to chapter 8, Pasuk 19. And what does the Navi say? He says in the verse before that Vayhi Tvar Hashem Tzvokos The word of God is as follows. Now remember, we are not sure about this. We are positive. That's one of the 13 basic principles of our faith. Shekol Devrei Hanaviyim MS, that the words of the prophets are true. And therefore, what does the Navi Zacharias say in Pasuk 19? Ko amar Hashem tzvokos. This is what Hashem has said. Tzom the fast of the fourth month, which is Shavuot Batamus. Vitzom achamishi, the fast of the fifth month, which is Tisha B'Av. Vitzom the fast of the seventh month, which is Tzom Gedalia. Vitzom and the fast of the tenth month, which is Asar B'Teves, Yeh Lebeis Yehuda, will be for the house of Judah, the two tribes that have survived, which is Klal Yisrael today, L'Sason U'Lesimcha, for happiness and for joy. Ulamoadim Tovim, these days are going to be transformed into holidays with one condition, Ve'o'emes, truth, va'shalom, and peace, ehovu. They love. We have to focus on the truth all the more and focus on the shalom, peace between us all the more. And now, unfortunately, during the three weeks, there is one, no weddings during this time, two, no haircuts during this time. Three, no purchasing of either clothes or those things that we don't really need now. Why so? We don't want to recite the bracha of Shehechiyanu, Vikiyamanu, Vigiyanu, this Zman is not a happy time. And the Jew doesn't remember the past, he relives the past. And this is the time that unfortunately the Beis Migdash was destroyed three weeks from this coming, three weeks from tomorrow, three weeks, and we mourn on Tisha B'av, three weeks from tomorrow. It's important that our mindset is one that identifies and we relive as we relive the happy occasions of the past, so too we relive this aspect of our history as well. And therefore, the preferably, you shouldn't paint your house unless there was a leak and the wall, and it, but under normal conditions. If they've started already, you can continue. And interesting, uh, pregnant nursing women do not have to fast because it's a nidra at all. Usually, I would say, no heroics. 
But this time they don't have to fast at all because the fast is pushed off from Shabbos to Sunday. If there's a bris, this Sunday. The Bale bris, the Moel, the Sanduk, the Father, from the letter of the law, can eat after Chatzos, after mid-the-day. All those that go to the bris Sunday morning have to wait until after the fast to have their, quote, su'uda. Interesting question, whether or not a chosan and kala, who if on a regular fast of Shavasa Batamus certainly would fast, because the individual yields to the community. Question is, because it's a nidcha. So for that, I would say consult your local Orthodox Godol. Okay, let's get to the Parsha. Parsha's Balak. If you ask me, it's a love story. Most of us don't necessarily look at Parsha's Balak as a love story. But what's going on here? The background is very clear. In last week's Parsha, at the end of Chukas, the Torah tells us that both Sichon, Melech Emori, Og, Melech Abashan, come to the desert, and after they refuse to let Israel pass through their territory, so they attack Israel, and guess what? Israel defeats them. And the peoples and the armies of Sichon and Og are stronger than that of Moab. So now Bullock, the king of Moab, is very nervous. And so I'll support what I'm going to tell you now in two ways. First with Rashi on the beginning of the Parsha, where in Pasuk Dalid, the Torah tells us that Vayomer Moab Elzikne Midyon that the elders of Moab consulted and joined together with that of Midian. So Rashi begins, wait a second. Come on, everybody knows that Midian and Moab hated one another. Ah, but what's the answer? Because they both had a common enemy, namely what? Israel, this made peace between them. And now, why are they going in a a most unusual way to attack Israel? They saw that with conventional warfare, they lost Sihon. Emori lost to Israel. Og and Bashan lost to Israel. So they said, ah, the leader of Israel, Moshe, grew up in Midian. So they went and they asked him, they asked the elders of Midian, what is the strength of this man? Ma does so? What's his power? Amrulahem. So Midian said to Moab, Ain bepiv. Amazing. His strength is in his mouth. And remember, Moshe had a speech defect. Incredible. You can literally see the hand of God. Amru. So they said, Ah, Af'onu, we too, Nevo'aleim ba'adam, we too will come upon them with a man, Shekocho Befiv, whose mouth is his strength, namely Bilam, who can curse. And you'll take a peek in the opening Kleyokar, and this is so exciting, because the Kleyokar says 
Read the first Pasuk. Vayar Bolak ben Sipor, good Bolak. Sees, what does he see? Is Kol Asher saw Yisrael. He sees all which Israel did to the Amori. So maybe you're going to tell me he went and he inspected uh, what? The lands were not um, uh, war-torn. So the... Kleoka says he did his homework. He went into the history books. Vayarani Sua. What also Yisrael Lemori. The Israel here doesn't mean the Israel of the end of last week's Parsha, namely that we defeated um, Sichon and Og, but the Israel refers to Yisrael Saba. It refers to our Zeda, the Alta Zeda, Yaakov Avinu Yisrael, how and what he did to the Amori in his day, as we find in Parshas Vayachi, that when Yaakov gives over the Bracha to Menashe and Ephraim, and he gives Yosef, Shechem Achad Alachecha, he gives him the city of Shechem, which Shimon and Levi captured. Ashelokachti, that Yaakov says, I took Miyado Emori from the hands of the Emori, there it is, Becharbiu Vakashti, with my sword and with my bow. And what does the Targum say on this, the famous Targum? Bitsalosi Uvvaosi with my prayer and supplication. Ah, oh, Yaakov Avinu, his secret weapon was koach the power of prayer. Moshe Rabbeinu, his weapon was peper. And so they said, we too, meaning Moab, we'll, get, we'll find somebody whose koach is peper. Now watch. Go to Parshas Kiseitze, where Moshe is telling over the history as to what occurred during this time. And note, says the Hassam Sofer, very sharp, all other deliverances from Israel, Israel was aware of. They knew they were hungry, they saw the mud come down. They knew they were thirsty, the Be'er of Miriam gave them water. They knew Amalek attacked them, and they were victorious. And they knew when they knew when they knew. But this, listen carefully now, this whole threat of Bilam. They didn't know. They don't know that Bilam is looking down together with Bullock and he's building all kinds of altars and he's bringing all kinds of carbonos. So what does the Torah say? Take this to the table as well. Chapter 23 in Devarim. And what does it say in Pasuk 5? Okay, that why do we keep out from marrying into Ammon and Moab? One, they were not his, hospitable to us. They didn't have a Korasatov. They're our relatives. But secondly, they hired, verse, come on, five, they hired Bilam to curse you. Now listen to verse six. Bilam. Bilam had this capacity. He had an ability to curse, but God didn't want and refuses to listen. And listen carefully. Hashem transforms the klola, the curse to bracha. Why? Because, let's go, Hashem loves you. Ah, oh, so listen carefully. I think I'm right. The story of 
Balak, Bilam is one big love story. The love story of Hashem to Klai Yisrael. And that has to be the message of the parasha. And that's why you have, as the Rambam says in Hilchos Malachim, the reference to Moshiach is found in this week's parasha, Dorach Kochav Miyako. Again, the whole idea that Hashem loves us and there's a destiny to the Jewish people. And this is what we are to remember. And now, finally, most important, Koach Beper. The strength of the Jew is in his mouth. And therefore, I strongly urge you that, well, don't even wait. Mincha this afternoon already, and then Myrif tomorrow night. And throughout the next three weeks, when we're going to have the privilege of saying the Shemona Esrei. So just look in the Shemona Esrei as to how many of the brachos refer to Please, God, our future redemption. Come on, Hashem, please, let's have that great shofar blown for the purpose of proclaiming our freedom. And let's lift up the banner for Jews all over the world. Just say it with more kavana. And listen carefully. We're waiting for you. The capital of Israel is waiting for you, Hashem. Return there. Hashem, we want Moshiach now. That's correct. We've been saying it before. Some group started to popularize the coming of Moshiach. We've been saying this since Anshe Knesses Agdola over 2,000 years. Voshevis Avodo Hashem restore Hamachazir Shrina so Litzion bring your Shrina back. Finally, listen carefully. I can only tell you the beautiful story that the Beis Halevi Rabbi Yashaber Salavechik Sechrona Lavracha was very happy in a small yeshiva in Varsha, in Warsaw, giving shiurim and learning. And being the outstanding Rav that he was, a delegation from Brisk came and said to him, we want you as our Rav. And he said, thanks, but no thanks. He wanted to stay and learn. And then when they told him, Rebbe, 25,000 Jews are waiting for you in Brisk, he said to his Rebetzin, I have no choice. Give me my hat. We're going. When the Chafetz Chaim heard this, he cried. And he said, Ay, ay, ay. That for 25,000, the Rabbi Yashaber went to Brisk. If only Klal Yisrael will be waiting, as we say, in the 12th of the Anima Amin. Not, yeah, maybe. And what's it going to be for my business? And what about my house? And where am I going to live? And all my... Do we really want... I believe with complete and perfect and total faith that there will be a coming of the Mashiach. Even though he is tarrying and we want him yesterday... 
We have to wait and say, He's coming, He's coming, He's coming. And then, He will. We pray as we began with the Navi Zachariah that soon, soon in our day, our children, our grandchildren, will not have to fast this coming Sunday. It's going to become a holiday. Shabbat Shalom to all. J.M. in the A.M. My thanks to Rabbi Yudin, of course. My thanks to all of you tuned in. And it has been heartwarming to see that even uh, during this latter part of the season, Pesach till now, uh, dominated by Sphira and a whole bunch of uh, good weather and uh, and mobile activity, uh, our numbers, our incredible audience has been so strong, B'liayin Hara, over the last few weeks. It is just incredibly heartwarming. And I thank all of you out there. We do have a problem with our listen line. Uh, if you know somebody who normally calls in to listen to the show, and a lot of people here have contacted us already today, we apologize. The company that takes care of our listen line is doing major work on the lines, and it was supposed to end by 5 a.m. this morning and get everything back to normal, and unfortunately, that deadline did not occur, So, uh, or, or they went right past that deadline. Uh, so hopefully Monday morning, hopefully Sunday morning, hopefully tomorrow night for Saturday Night Seagull. Uh, everything will be working, maybe even later today when we do the Arab Shabbos music mix sponsored by our friends at Kedem. Hopefully it'll all be working by then as well. Candle lighting at 8.11 on this Arab Shabbos Parsha's Bullock. Sunday is a fast day, as we've been mentioning. Wednesday's the 4th of July. We'll be here. Even though it's a holiday, we'll be here, as we are every single morning. So make sure to be tuned in. Mazel Tov again, of course, to the Arub and Zamek families, the big Mazel Tov. Rochelle and Mark, our grandma and grandpa, and uh, the Shalom Zachar of the brand new uh, baby boys taking place tonight. So we wish them the very best from all of us here at JM and the AM. This is the final 20 minutes of our spring fundraiser. The fundraiser began about six weeks ago, and we've been encouraging everybody since we had the official three days on the air to uh, to give if you haven't given yet. Uh, and it will uh, conclude, the official spring fundraiser uh, will conclude... Um, 20 minutes from now, as we said, so anything you want to give now, it's fjbunity.org. We encourage everybody to do so, fjbunity.org. And Stacy Siegel, who makes the annual appearance at our fundraiser in some way, shape, or form. This time we waited till now when she's uh, done with work and is in such a relaxed state of mind. Look at her. She is so relaxed. I said to someone yesterday that this is the best Shabbos of the year, Shabbos after public school ends. Certainly is. <laughs> Isn't it the best the Shabbos beginning of, the of year? a 10-week vacation. Amazing and incredible. Oh, be careful, because some of the public school teachers out there are going to be angry at you for calling it a vacation. After all, don't people claim that we don't understand how hard they work all year round, even during the summer? So, you know, people do special projects during the summer. They do preparation during the summer, right? That all, is true. All those that things is we, true. All those... Never a true vacation. <laughs> Correct. Exactly. That's what we've been told very, very often. So here we are, year number 35, believe it or not, of JM and the AM, which is hard to believe. You've been familiar with the show for about 29 years of that. That is true. Wow. Although I did hear of you a little before. Right. Barely. Barely, exactly. And here we are 29 years later. And as everyone out there knows, because I've said it enough times, maybe not enough times, but I've said it many times. As everyone knows, without your support and cooperation and dedication and basically, basically saying to me, the priority is whatever you need to do first. The show, the traveling, the recordings, the appearances, the jobs at night, the seeing, everything else. And then 
We will move on and take care of everything else that has to be done. And it's only that attitude that has led to the success of this incredible network. And I hope that you get tremendous nachas from it. I know you listen because you tell me you listen almost every morning. I did too. I do. I <laughs> try to listen every morning. In fact, yesterday I listened to a whole interview. On wow. My, one of my first days of vacation, which was truly excellent. And I look forward to reading that book. Um, maybe I should bring that book home for Please, you. Please, yes. You'll see all the different pages that I've noted. You know, that I folded over so I would remember to uh, all those different points. It is an incredible book, and he was an incredible man. And I appreciate you hearing the interview, and I thank everybody out there who heard it. So today's the last day to fundraiser. Before I turn to you, if you have a comment or two, which you might have about this whole thing, uh, as you know, people don't realize it on the outside or, or who are regular listeners because in the old days when we did it on terrestrial radio, it was obvious to everybody with all the hullabaloo and all the uh, – all the activity that was going on, that the fundraising week was very, very harried, very, very, you know, a lot of stuff going on, late night hours, early morning hours, et cetera, et cetera. Here, to the average listener, they wouldn't pick that up. But you can attest to the fact that the last few days have been <laughs> have been uh, more, even more active than usual in trying to make sure that we uh, get as much in as possible before the end of the fundraiser today. And I have to share with, with that in mind, before you speak, I have to share with you something that just happened. Yesterday, I called someone who you know very well. And I said to him, uh, I just want to remind, like I've done with 100 other people this week, I just want to remind you that the fundraiser is over. I mean, you could obviously give year-round, but, you know, we have this official fundraiser. We'd like it to be a success, et cetera. And his response to me was, don't you know by now that I always wait till the last minute to give? So I said, okay. I said, you know, I'm saying to myself that the whole last minute thing is not nearly like it used to be, you know, in that big Friday celebration that a lot of people miss and are demanding I bring back. But okay, that's a separate issue. But so that, then this gentleman about 10 minutes ago, literally, you know, a half hour before the end of the fundraiser, as we keep saying, um, writes the following. Gives a very, very, very generous donation. I mean, very, very generous donation. And writes the following. Thank you for being a strong voice and a leader, a role model for the Jewish people. You allow the rest of us to believe that we will continue to shine in a world that is totally confused. Certainly true. You know who wrote that? Someone you know very well for the last 30 years. Dr. Mendy Markowitz. Wow, how beautiful. Thank you, Mendy, and thank you, Cheryl. That is very, very special. Thank you. For really supporting this special cause, and we've uh, we've had so many great messages. Uh, not all of them have we gotten to over the last six weeks. Many of them we have, especially early on, the first couple of weeks of the fundraiser, where we've had so many great messages, and every one of them has appreciated everybody. Um, all the Mazel Tovs, someone donated earlier uh, today in honor of the uh, Zamic Mazel Tov, and in honor of uh, uh, the Siegel Foreman Mazel Tov. Um, and uh, so many other great occasions. And there are people who have donated multiple times every time I've mentioned that people should log on and donate who feel a real kinship to the show and to our family and have been you know, actively giving $18 at a time for you know many times over the last few weeks. So everybody who's done that, 18, everybody who's done 1,800, everybody who's done even more than that, all I could say is thank you, thank you, thank you. And you still have 15 minutes to log on to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and help us make this period of time before the fiscal year ends a successful period of time. And what would you say to encourage people to give in the last 15 minutes, Stacey Siegel? 
So um, for the first year in a long time, I do not have an official speech. But wow. I, uh, <laughs> I do have a lot of thoughts that I wanted to share. Um, what would I say? I would say that Nahum, you know, as I look at you and I speak to you, you are a a special role model for so many people out there. Um, whether it's a role model as a father, as a husband, as a human being, or as a Jew, and you're you wake up every morning saying to yourself, "What could I do to bring Jewish unity into the world?" Um, which is something most people do not even think about. Do not even it doesn't even cross their minds. Um, uh, last year, was it last year at this time or a year and a half ago? Uh, no, in the middle of the winter, I was able to join you on the Venice trip. Right. That was and, great. November, um, uh, November of 2016. Right. So, okay. It was more than a right. year ago. Um, you know, and I see these people, you know, we're so spoiled being in our little community in New York where there's Jews <laughs> all over and, you know, even not in our little community on the Lower East Side, but if we go a little further out and um, into New York, there's so many Jews out there. And when you go into a place like Venice or the other places that you go and you see that the Jewish people, our brothers, are starving for a connection, and you go out there and you just let other people know you care about them, and you let other people know they're not forgotten. And these people, you know are trying to live their lives um, in the Jewish world, and it, it is very difficult for them. And you go out there and you tell them, you know, don't give up. We are here for you. Um, you know, we remember you. Um, you know, I, I was just thinking, you know, we all have the opportunity, and many of you out there, where you all have a Shabbat table, a Shabbos table, and you and you bring guests, whether you're a guest or whether you have guests in your Shabbos home every every weekend at your Shabbos table. And think of this as just a big Shabbos table, a, a big Shabbos table where, you know, they're not actually sitting at your table. But if you give to Nachum and you or you really take a moment and you sponsor one of his special shows where, is he, where he's able to go. I'm not sure of the surprise if, if, <laughs> if anybody knows where you're going next. But if you say to yourself, oh, on my account, because of what I do, not only could I help the people sitting at my little Shabbos table at home, but I can let not allow Nachum to have this big Shabbos table where he impacts so many, so many Jewish lives of people who are lost or people that are, are just don't have that connection. And he's able to make a gigantic, humongous Shabbos table and bring all those people together and have an impact on their lives. You can really, really be a part of this. This is the easy way. You don't have to cook. You don't have to clean your house. <laughs> you you don't have to sit there for four hours, although we do love Shabbos. And you really just, you know, you can help Nachum go out there, whether it's to Venice or Paris or South Africa or other, other places, Russia, wherever he plans to go. And it could be in your zechus that Nachum is making a very big Shabbos table and and, and bringing in the Jewish people that are lost and don't feel connected. So I beg of all my friends and all my new friends and all of Nachum's listeners to really think about that and think of this is truly an easy way, whatever you can give, whether it's big or 
um, very big and sponsoring a whole trip or just, you know, sponsoring part of the trip where he's which can allow him to go into a neighborhood and really impact on those lives who are lost. And, you know, in today's day and age, we have to bring every Jewish people, every Jewish person back um, because they're getting fewer and fewer and a little less stronger. And we need Nachum as one of the people. There are many wonderful people out there to go in and to give them chizok. Well, this is uh, this is great because, I mean, I, why would I not expect it? But boy, it is amazing after all these years how you every single year that you speak, you 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 are able to convey where the show and network are up to. Early on, it was you know all about the early morning hours and the dedication that the show is live every day, and that, you know all that. Stuff. And now you have in 2018 so beautifully encapsulated what we've become and what we are right now, which is no longer just a small radio show that has to be supported. It is now a big operation that has big dreams and big plans and thank God is able to fulfill a lot of those dreams and plans. And hopefully, as you just said, hopefully that big Shabbos table will just get bigger and bigger and more and more people. It's no coincidence that the most popular day here is Friday. It's no coincidence that as Shabbos approaches, People who, like you say, feel lonely or disconnected or, you know, or want a little bit more of a connection. They may be listening to certain types of music during the week, but on Friday, because of Shabbos, they want to, you know, they want to feel a little bit more Shabbos dick. We know that from our own family, how things are different on Friday than the rest of the week. So hopefully that Shabbos table will, in fact, grow and grow and grow. And everybody out there, you know, normally, I've been saying this for six weeks, and a lot of people, my staff and guests, have been here. David Hirshhorn was in your your chair just a few weeks ago, encouraging. He's an amazing supporter and an amazing fan and an amazing cheerleader for us and telling everybody why they should give. But nobody has said it the way Stacy Siegel has said it. So please, here is your chance to acknowledge her words and to help us out. It's fjbunity.org. That's the site. We have nine minutes left. Five of those minutes are going to be our theme song. So we literally just have a couple of minutes to go for you to join us and help make this work. FJBUnity.org. FJBUnity.org for the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. You know, I just want all of you who are listening right now to just think of a special loved one who is no longer in your life or a really special loved one who is in your life that this can be done in honor of them or in memory of them. Um, somebody who had a difficult life, who was brought back to Judaism, and to we, we're giving you the opportunity to pledge in their memory or in their honor to do something good for the Jewish community. How wonderful that would be if you can say to your the, the love of your life or your children, or you know, think about a memory of your parents if they're no if they are no longer with you or your grandparents and say, I am going to allow Nachum to go into a new community which he hasn't been in, where the Jews are 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 lost. And I am giving, uh, you know, it is, it, it is in their honor or in their memory that you are allowing Nachum to go into and to bring them back and to make them feel that connection, which there are so many lives that are lost now and are just seeking some connection. So... In the next few minutes, really just think about it. Think about, you know, how that would make you feel and how would make how it would, you know, just bring um, back memories or, you know, 
honor to a loved one if you can do this for them. And, you know, yesterday, you mentioned yesterday's show. We were talking about international impact, obviously. Worldwide impact. I am glad that you've had the, the nachas till this point to see this become an international entity. To see this, you know, little operation. When we got married, this was, you know, what was it? A college radio show? College plus radio show that was being presented every day. And now it's become this international entity with your enthusiasm, your encouragement, your belief, and your, uh, your plea to the community to keep it going. And hopefully people will. FJBUnity.org is the best way to do it this morning. Let me give out an address because obviously if someone would send something in, we'd be more than happy to accept it next week. And I know there are people who want to simply send a check in. It's Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. And that's uh, 551 Grand Street, 551 Grand Street, Suite Number 3, New York City, 1002. 551 Grand Street, Suite Number 3. New York City, 1002, fjbunity.org, and obviously anybody who has the envelope from us in your possession, do your hardest to get it back to us with a generous contribution as soon as possible. Stacy Siegel, I thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. I love you very much. Thank you very much. And you are going to enjoy this Shabbos. <laughs> I certainly am. <laughs> you are going to enjoy what I call the best Shabbos. I said this to Simon and Joe the other night. I said it's the best Shabbos of the year, the year, the Shabbos after public school ends. And you I'm are going to enjoy it for many reasons, too. We're having some wonderful company. That's correct. Um, We're having great friends over. Really just wonderful friends who we don't get to spend um, Shabbat with. So that is very exciting. And um, it should be a nice Shabbos. Bezrat Hashem. Thank you so much. There you have it, folks. FJBUnity.org. FJBUnity.org. A big thank you to everybody who over the last six weeks and for the last many, many years has responded to our plea to help keep us going, fjbunity.org. And, of course, uh, that will do it for our spring fundraiser. And our three weeks format begins tomorrow night, believe it or not, right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. It's time to say good Shabbos at JM in the AM. The sun is going down. It's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by. Become a memory. So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift It's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos, well into to throw away a hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together
Sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. And that will do it for an amazing and incredible week. Thanks to all of you for making it another successful week. We did a great job, I must say, in holding a fundraiser and really not interrupting our programming uh, to any great extent, and I'm very, very proud of that, and I'm really proud of our incredible audience who have come through with wonderful donations uh, today and, of course, uh, all through the last few weeks. It's much appreciated. Um, Naomi Nachman's next with Table for Two. Erev Shabbos show with uh, Mark Zamek, presented by our friends at Kedem, is coming up at 10 o'clock. And, of course, the Erev Shabbos music mix all day long. Make sure to be tuned in. Tomorrow night, it's Avrami with Saturday Night Siegel. And, of course, Sunday, on the fast day, Matis with JM Sunday. I am back Monday to continue our three weeks format, beginning at 6 a.m. with JM the AM right here. At the Nahum Siegel Network. If you missed any of my interview yesterday with um, with uh, Rabbi Vesser and Rabbi Zlotowitz, try to check it out. Facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network or, of course, in the archive section of our website or app. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend. Until Monday, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.